0: Ranks Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast and we are back to look at the end of a transfer window. My name is Jack Collins and I will be your host today. And joining me, it is the rank of Mr. Sam Tai. Hello, my friend. Hello, my friend. How
1: are you doing? Yes, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. It's been wild, hasn't it?
0: It's madness, absolute pure madness. And the man who has experienced that madness from almost start to finish, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Dean, it's been some window.
2: It has, yeah. I've I've genuinely never experienced anything like it. I've enjoyed parts of it, kept me on my toes. Definitely missed a few things, <laughs> but overall, I think I did right. <laughs> just yeah.
0: Looking you, back at my story, you were story first here. to stick with you were first to stick with Lukaku going back to Chelsea, even after all of it. I remember after everyone said, "Oh, he said I'm not leaving," he said I had a conversation, he was staying at inter, and you were stuck with it. You just said, "Don't believe a word that any footballer says." So, mm. shouts out to you, my friend. Shouts out to yeah, you. Cheers, also, thing, mate, this just... is
1: just a hello, the greeting part of
0: the pod. It wasn't like a performance review. Like you've done fine, mate. Don't
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, worry. We'll, always we'll be- defending myself.
0: Exactly, we'll be, we'll be looking at your pay structure at the end uh, at the end of the episode, oh. but we won't do it live. We won't do it live on here. I think it's uh, something don't we're let everybody get know into. how
2: rich I am. Yeah, don't let oh everybody yeah, know how cl- rich
0: oh, oh yeah, classic. Um, <laughs> right, let's get on to things we love. I mean, today we're going to rank the top five transfers of the window in Sam's opinion. And before we do that, it's always nice to start with a love in. And Dean, I think we should come to you first on this one, given it's the end of a window.
2: Okay, so I know it's called things we love. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to dress this up because I don't love it. I'll say the thing I love is how unpredictable football is, um, but I actually hate that this has happened, and that is that Kylian Mbappe has not joined Real Madrid. And, and that's not necessarily the thing that I hate. I hate that PSG are in such a powerful financial position that on the back of a global pandemic, Look back of the time when French football has been in disarray because they cancelled last season, um, and everything else that's going on in the world, and on the back of the fact that Leonardo a week ago said that if Mbappe wants to leave, we won't hold him back, but it'll be on our terms. they have refused an offer of two hundred and twenty million euros for a player whose contract is out in a year. That is absolutely ludicrous, like what world? are we living in here and what chance does anybody else have when PSG are playing? Well, they're making up the rules. They're literally making up rules here because I don't, don't know how they've even managed to get in the players that they've got. Yet alone and then reject something like this that would have covered it all. Um, look, Madrid absolutely went for it the last past week and, and trying to get Mbappe. And I think they, they had such a war chest that, um, they thought they they thought they'd get it done right they haven't they'll get him next year for free and psg don't seem to care that they're going to get him for free i i can't get my head around it to be honest that that a football club is yeah has such financial power that they've managed to reject
0: an offer of over 200 million euros what's going I on man, i think there's a lot of people very very confused and i think it's completely reasonable i mean i'm confused i think we're all a bit like whoa, um, you know, and I think maybe the strange thing about all of this is there kind of seemed to be this, we'll sell him if you meet our valuation of him. And, and then Real Madrid, I don't assume that PSG just assumed that Real Madrid wouldn't do that. And then they just did. And they were like, nah, nah, actually, no, changed their mind. And it's, you know, a little bit, you feel for Mbappe now. It's not the end of the world for him. He's getting to play with Neymar and Messi for a year. You know, you can't. It's not. It's not. I feel sorry for Kylian Mbappe, but there is clearly this element that he is a Real Madrid fan. He's always been very clear in his desire to, to play for Real Madrid. I think almost he would have gone right. Okay, fair enough. They they want to keep me until this value. If you said before, Dean, that there's sort of a, a, not a gentleman's agreement, but killing Mbappe said to PSG, I won't leave for free before. And now you're looking at it, and he must be looking at it going, well, hang on, I'm going to have to leave for free because otherwise they might just never let me go.
2: Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see how this all this plays out over the next few months, won't it? I mean, I'm sure Mbappe will just keep his counsel, keep his head down and, and score goals like he did at the weekend. Um, but what a situation we find ourselves in now. Um, very little doubt in my mind that he, he's going to become a Madrid player anyway. Um, it is interesting. You know, I keep getting asked the question, but why are they spending this money when they can get him for free next year? Like, why are they wasting so much money? And as I, the only thing I can think of is that they see such an opportunity to win La Liga this season with him that it seems worth it to them to put everything into that, like, presuming that that's it. But. They haven't got him, and oh, um, well, I say we haven't got him. We're recording this just to be clear with everybody. We are recording this a few hours before the deadline. Like it's it's eight p.m. and it, it, the transfer window closes at eleven p.m. We've left it late. We didn't leave it right till the last minutes are record. Uh, we think we've covered ourselves with this. Um, if Mbappe does. Re- sign tonight, then we'll have re recorded this part anyway. So
0: <laughs> <We'll> <laughs> all, this will never see the light of day if that yeah, is the case. So yeah, totally. off, off we go.
2: Yeah. That's that. But if you're listening to this, yeah, then it didn't happen anyway. But um, I, yeah, madness, lads. And in future, like, I'm just going with the flow. I'm going to believe everything that is possible, like, believe that people can turn down. F- 500 million pound believe that anyone will leave anyone for anyone (laughs) like I don't know what's happening anymore lads I really don't I mean the other thing I love by the way is like when you look at the battle of North London and how that uh, like Arsenal going on this big spend and think people saying oh they're winning the transfer window um And they're bottom of the league after three games and haven't scored a goal. And Tottenham, who have been in disarray, losing their star player, couldn't find a manager, brought in a sporting director who changed the whole philosophy of the club over the summer. And they're unbeaten and they've still got Harry Kane. Like, (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Really, And
0: Emerson, Emerson, which is a a great little pick-up from Tottenham. So fair play to them. Um, Sam, I'm going to chuck to you though. It's time to, what's your thing you love? Yeah, brighter skies, I think.
1: I'll... I'll present something I actually do love. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Dean, if this was a performance review, you failed because that wasn't something you love at all. Well, I so, went
2: back to the old days of hot takes there, didn't I?
1: Yeah, well, never mind. Anyway, this is something I like. It's a little fantasy football game with a twist that I've decided to play this year. And I'll explain it. Basically, what happened was a group of students at Nottingham University DM'd myself and Jack uh, on Insta, they DM me first, obviously, and then Jack second a couple of days later um, to talk about this little competition. On, on. Uh, to be fair, mate, it might be in your Twitter DMs. You just never check. Them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they set up a little competition on their podcast, which is called Chatting Like hey, Champions. And it's quite simple, but I think it's actually quite brilliant. And I've decided to play along. So I just thought I'd explain it and encourage others to play as well if they wanted yeah, to. Basically, what you have to do is pick five players, one from each of Europe's traditional top five leagues. So that means uh, France, not Portugal. Sorry, Portugal. Uh, The objective of the game is for those players to gain more value over the course of the season than anybody else's selection of five. And the value is judged on transfer market. So they take the values at the start of the season and just see how much they've gone up or down by at the end of the season. Um, But there's a little twist to it. So a maximum of two of your players can be aged 21 or under. You have to select at least one player who is 30 or over and you have to select one player at least whose value is at least 40 million pounds already. So it's quite interesting. And when you start to put it together, you immediately think, oh, this is going to be so easy. And then you have to start oh, making sacrifices or picking a player here, or oh no, if I use him for Italy, but he's over 30, et cetera, et cetera. It's quite good fun. Now, I did speak to the chatting like champions guys and just say, look, this this looks really cool. Like I'd like to play. And I think I'd like to encourage our listeners to play as well. Their deadline for submission was originally September the 1st, but they very kindly agreed to push it back to September the 8th, which gives us another full week in order to select them. So if you're interested, go to ChampionsURN on Insta or at ChampionsURN on Twitter, or just message me and I will point you in the right direction and we can compete. It's basically like, kind of like scouting, like a scouting competition, but I thought it was really neat uh, and I wanted to play it and I wanted to encourage everybody else to as well.
0: Yeah, it's a really nicely put together game. It's well thought through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, And I think that's probably the nice thing about it. Like, there's a lot of fantasy games. There's a lot of... And I think, you know, we talked about it last week of, in, in, in the gibberish rankings, that fantasy, especially in the Premier League, but FPL and, and that whole thing, it's an incredibly frustrating experience. And I feel like with this, you know, there's no chopping and changing. A similar game with, you know, I've I've heard of where people do... A buy two teams and sell two teams and you get points value for buy and sell and the aim of the game is to try and get two clubs who would gain more than they have put in the original table and sell two clubs you think are going to do worse than they are in the original table and the winner takes the pot. Similar kind of thing where you can get involved at the top and after the season begins you're like well I've made my picks now there's nothing I can do about it. I can occasionally obviously it can make things harder and you can be like oh god I wish I'd done that but Once it's set in stone, it does make it a little bit easier not to kind of, you know, beat yourself up about chopping and changing and taking out a player or even a player on the bench who scores 30 points. I know I'm going to talk about Conor Gallagher, but, um, you know, that's a different question for a different day, right? So um, we'll we'll leave it at that. But yeah, definitely get involved. Um, I'm going to play too, so we can uh, all have a little look and we'll we'll see how we get on at the end of the season. Mm, Yeah, competition,
1: competition. We love it. And Dean, you have to do one too. Okay. Exactly. All right. right. Yeah.
0: Well, finally, my thing I love is Hector Baring going back to Betis, right? <laughs> so this, hey. um, I say back to Betis, um, as if he's ever played for Betis before, and that's something that people won't know this, but Hector Baring has never played for Betis. Um, however, however, he uh, he is a Betis fan, and uh, and that's maybe the nice thing. So his dad moved to Barcelona. From Andalusia when you know he went up there for work, and then basically got to this point where it all happened, and he grew up as a Betis fan, but in La Masia, obviously, obviously went from Barcelona to Arsenal, etc., etc. You know the story, but really cool that at this point. Betis will be able to have a right back and a left back next season who grew up as boyhood Betis fans and also came through La Masia because Juan Miranda is back on on the left hand side and Hector Behring can now play on the right and there's just something such wonderful about this you know not only is it you know returns to to, to boyhood fans and that's nice but I also think that w- with someone like Behring, he's a wonderful human being I think he'd be a wonderful asset for the club. Um, he's a model professional. I think he's just a really, really good bloke. And and with all of that come back together, I'm just really pleased for him. And especially given the circumstances in which we found ourselves, right? He wanted to leave Arsenal. He was incredibly frustrated. He said he'd take a pay cut. It wasn't working. And Arsenal kind of spent the next time sort of dithering, dallying over a right back. We've seen some strange things going on with, with Ainsley Maitland-Niles on top of all of this. And, just with all of it going on, I was like, oh, they're not going to let him go. He's just not going to get out. And so the the better talks had really died down. You know, they, it did look like it was just not going to happen. A couple of days back, he was 23 to one to join Betis, and now absolutely back where he belongs in the green and white stripes and I'm just really really pleased for him it's just you know when you get one of those like dream come tumours I know Sam that there's been some sort of interest in the, in these kind of moves across the board and there's been a lot of anger I think for Troy Deeney left Watford um, and joined his boyhood club of Birmingham and uh, there's been a lot of vitriol on his timeline from, from Villa fans from Wolves fans from West Brom fans but the pictures of <laughs> him as a kid in the shirt you know and then it all crashing through the whole thing back at you know he's gone to a club he genuinely supported i just think those kind of things really do have that nice narrative twist and bearing going to Betis is is something that I'm, i'm hugely into
1: we need these storylines in the wake of what Dean has presented to us early on in this podcast, don't we? In the wake of the the financial power that someone uh, a team like PSG can hold and reject a bid like that, Ruben Rochina returning to Granada, Hector Bellerin going to Betis, Troy, Troy Dini returning to or going home to Birmingham City. These are these are the storylines hey, we need Ronaldo to Ronaldo back onto. to Man United. Yeah, that one's so Famously one
0: born, born and bred in Salford, actually. It's a homecoming, is a Cristiano homecoming. Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. yeah, he, he is a
1: homecoming.
0: Is famously played for England for loads of years. We um, need these but,
2: stories. We need to cling on to these for dear life. Um, so, Betis have signed a melon basically.
0: <laughs> the only thing, the only downside of this is I'm not sure who's going to take throw-ins on that right-hand side, yeah. but uh, it's all I'm going to watch their games for, see what happens. That's the only, the only downside of this entire thing. Um, <laughs> but we're going to be talking more about transfers as Ta- Sam picks his five best transfers of the window after the break. Welcome back to Rags FC. It's time to walk through some of the best transfers this window. Sam, you're going to present us with five. Dean and I are almost certainly going to argue with you and, and then we'll then we'll get something at the end where we have something close to a, a full ranking between us. But the uh, floor is yours, my friend.
1: Yeah, you know, I always say it, but I really do mean it. This was tough. I mean, I was with you boys earlier today in the cafe having recorded some stuff for live score, and I was complaining, wasn't I? I said, don't anyone dare complete any more damn transfers because this is this is difficult enough already and then more just keep coming out of the woodwork and i have to say guys some of the deals that some teams have struck this summer have been seriously seriously impressive and i guess we're going to get to some honorable mentions a little bit later on but i won't remove any of the suspense i won't add them to start with i think we'll just start with number five and that is tammy abraham to Roma. Mm. about 34 million pounds from Chelsea and they have got a buyback in but it's at a pretty astronomical sort of 80 million range so don't think it's a particularly constricting buyback from Roma's perspective and you guys know I'm a big believer in him and I found it really perplexing actually over the course of the summer where I saw he was linked to Arsenal and I saw a lot of Arsenal fans saying that they they wouldn't really want Tammy Abraham to sign for them I thought you're absolutely insane. And, and it's it's Roma that have basically hit the jackpot. They're the ones that have taken advantage of the fact that while Tammy Abraham is very, very good, he's just not quite at the level that Chelsea's aspirations are currently set at, which is something close to world domination. And <laughs> something had to give, and that meant that Tammy essentially was going to have to go, particularly after Lukaku joined. and. Well, look, their fans are already, Roma's fans are already more than aware of exactly how good Tammy is now in a number of different ways. His first two appearances have been stunning. I'd imagine most of the Rossi fan base are still stunned watching a forward with actual speed
2: mm. because
1: that's not really been a thing for like a decade for them. It's, it's pretty rare. You watch an Ed and Dzeko Potter around for five years or whatever it was. And then you've got the back end of Francesco Totti. I mean, watching Tammy streaking behind defenses and stretch play and play direct and play fast. It must be, it must be very different. But with Tammy, I, I never understood the criticism. He creates, he scores, he builds play, he stretches play. He's 23. And yet he's already got a serious body of work and proof of work to his name. He's always been basically a one-in-two striker or better. He's done it in the Premier League. Now he's going to do it in Serie A. And I can't help but escape the feeling that $34 is just not very much money for a player of his quality, a player of a a certain style that I think will genuinely dominate Serie A. His his type, his mould is so well suited to that league and to ripping it apart, to be honest with you.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I actually think you're, you're really low here, Sam. I think oh, this is really low.
1: Don't I, I, just argue I, for the I, sake of it, mate. Come on.
0: No, I'm not. I, I'd argue that right now, Tammy to Roma is potentially my favorite transfer this window. Um, I would have it numero uno oh on my, my top days. transfers of this summer mm. window list. I think it's that much of a game changer. <laughs> I, I think this is this is such a massive deal for Roma. And I think that, you know, I've spoken before, I spoke on the Serie A podcast about the fact that I think that they're going to get Champions League football this year. They have started like a train and and I think that it's going to carry on. And I think that Tammy is a huge, huge part of that. And he's going to continue to be a huge part of that. I think, as Sam says, the fact that he's a match-up nightmare, uh, the fact that he has pace to get in behind, the fact that he can link play the players around him, I think there's this Roma side are a problem. And I think that Tammy Abraham is going to be the jewel in the crown I think there's going to be a lot of people looking at that. And I think that in three years' time, Chelsea will be looking very seriously at that $80 back buyback offer. Um, that's that's how good I think Tammy can be um, and I think this is the best transfer in this window so you know we'll have it but it's, wow. it is what it is
2: Wow I I don't have faith in, in Roma like, like you do because I can just see it imploding like we're a few games into the season fine they do look great but there's such a long way to go with a Mourinho Roma team that can go wrong between now and May uh, I need to see way more evidence but yeah Tammy on the first couple of displays wow I mean I was always a bit critical, not of Tammy himself, just of the fact that like he just wasn't up to where Chelsea needed their number nine to be. Like Sam kind of said at the top, like they are European champions, they want to be Premier League champions, and like they need pretty much the best nine in Europe to get that. And Tammy isn't that person. But like for the tier below, what Chelsea are, then loads of teams should have been clamouring for him. And Roma, of yeah, this is a great buy for them. And I've only really watched the Roma games because of you two, um, but I'm glad I have watched them so far. What a Tammy's great one, are it, He is like an all-action hero. Like <laughs> He's everywhere. He's absolutely everywhere. There was a, his My highlight so far of Tammy, the other day, on Saturday or Sunday, whenever they played, he chased down a ball. The ball we went back to the keeper, and Tammy has sprinted about 35, 40 yards. Just to stop, block the goalkeeper's clearance and turn into a goal kick. It was like, wow. And <laughs> that's, that is the kind of thing that, that galvanizes a team and gets, wins over a fan base and just revs everybody up. And Mourinho would have loved it. And um, yeah, it's a fantastic signing.
0: Mm. I completely agree completely Sam you're in big
2: trouble with this ranking because while we're talking Antoine Griezmann deal now advanced between Barcelona and Atletico Madrid over a loan so <laughs> your, no, your rankings oh, are no, already no, going to be a shambles to do
1: my standard terms and conditions didn't I <laughs> no, no loans no freeze no oh, loans no yeah, freeze. true yeah I did actually forgot but it's a good time to bring it in I mean look bring loans obviously are the coward's way of operating in the transfer market um, by that I mean very very smart way of operating but without the risk you don't get the reward of ending up in my top five, and uh, I decided to leave the freeze off, otherwise, it's just PSG transfers. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, there you go, so you're well, out I mean, of it. Yeah, obviously, Messi and Donnarumma and Wynel doing great signings, but how boring is that episode if that's what I pr- bring to the table? Anyway, we'll move yeah. to number four. Let's go. Uh, it's Rodrigo de Paul. so 35 million euros Udinese to Atletico Madrid. I mean, boy, are Atletico lucky that they got this one signed more or less sealed and and all but finalized before the Copper America because in the space of a single tournament here in which he helped Argentina win a trophy, uh, any questions over whether or not, you know, 35 million euros on an Udinese player, like he's never played at a higher level than that bar Valencia a long time ago where he, I think he was loaned out by Gary Neville. Um, you know, 35 million euros is not a small amount of money and there would have been some questions, 100%. But over the course of the month, those questions are replaced with other questions. And, and and they were, how did this guy cost 35 million euros? He's absolutely amazing. And look, we watched a lot of Serie A last year. and um, We were big Rodrigo de Pau fans in January. We implored Arsenal to sign in before the iron got too hot. And yeah, it just, it got to that point where his his star had risen to the point where Atletico were the caliber of club that he could attract. And the calibre of club that wanted him. And like he's hit his prime, no doubt about it. He is an alpha of a creator, a chief creator. And the beauty of the is that he backs that up with a tremendous defensive work ethic as well and a grit. And this is a player who levels up Atletico's midfield big time. He makes them better. That's not easy to do nowadays. It's a pretty, pretty difficult task. And he's such a flexible and moldable player and so multifaceted Simeone's going to love him. He's going to love Simeone. This is going to be a huge success and yeah, I popped this one at, pop this one in ahead of Tammy. I, f- I sort of played with the idea of swapping him around because Depaul's 27 and, and Tammy's 23, so there's definitely more longevity in that in that other signing, but I guess I guess I'm absolutely 100% convinced that Rodrigo Depaul is is this level and this is a higher level than Tammy is playing at. So I ended up edging towards that one, but it was a close one to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Like, you know, I mean, I, I don't think it's as fun, but again, it would definitely, definitely be in the top five for me. I mean, he's just such a glorious player to watch. Like in full flow, the fact that he just dribbles, he can go onto both feet, his low center of gravity, the agility, the speed of the way he carries. It. And like you say, that kind of double-edged sword in that, we know that creative players sometimes struggle under Diego Simeone and <laughs> Jao Felix, but you know it. It does feel that sometimes you know you're looking at a player and you think you are tailor-made for a certain manager. And I feel like this about Depaul. I found like the fact that he comes in, he just he, he explosively springs from defense into attack. He'd be able to to complement that kind of rigid defensive structure. He can complement that counter-attacking range, and then. He's got that passing range on top of it all where, you know, if you front him up, he knocks it past you, dribbles past you and off you go. And if you back him off, he just suddenly starts to spring like beautiful passes around the pitch. And suddenly you're thinking, how do you defend this guy? And with the other riches that Atleti have across the board, I, I just think this is almost, like you say, a, a guaranteed success. I think he's a wonderful transfer. He's a wonderful footballer. And I'm just really excited to see him in the Liga.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One thing we haven't met, we mentioned it before when we talked about it, but not here, is that he's he's one of those couple of players in the world that have also managed to nail the Kevin De Bruyne cross from outside the box. So the deeper oh, yeah. the deeper position is mm. such a weapon to have. And Atleti haven't really had anything like that ever. And it just, you know, being able to fit in seamlessly to... The La Liga champions and add new elements to their attack and their game and broaden their variety of attacks is, it's a
2: really special pickup. So how would he team up with Griezmann?
0: Ooh. <laughs> well, we shall see. We shall see. Um, <laughs> we shall. I mean, and a set piece taker. I was just thinking about that comment mm. though, Simon. Do we think it's only De Bruyne, RDP, and Soberstai? Does anyone else do it?
2: Um, jeez. On the spot. Kenny, that's Tom different.
0: Kenny. Yeah, Tom yeah, Kenny hasn't played football for over a year. I love the man to pieces, but I am not sure if he can kick the ball anymore, <laughs> never mind deliver the KDB cross. Yeah. Oh. I can't think of any off the top of
1: my head, but I'll give you a little think and I'm sure that uh, a couple of listeners will have a few ideas as well.
0: Yeah. And the, yeah, like you say, the versatility, that the power brings to this athletic team. Mm-hmm. And, and then I imagine is the reason they've just decided that Saul can leave, you know, and I think Saul's a funny one because you look at it and you go, okay, it's, it's Saul. He's been around forever. We, we know exactly what he's about. He's 26. I was like, oh God, he's so much younger than I thought he was. And he's got so much experience, such a glorious player. And to have someone like that on your books, you were just going, yeah, of course you can go. Like it's fine. We've just brought in de de is is a pretty, it's a pretty big statement on how good they think De Powell can be. I think. Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, Saul's been repurposed into a left wing back and transfer listed. So I don't know if it is a statement on De <laughs> For some reason, they've just decided they don't really like Saul anymore. Maybe it's just his wage. Maybe I don't know. Who knows what's going on? Yeah, there. it's interesting very, very that very
2: Chelsea good. took that wage on. There's a big wage he was on. Yeah, mm.
1: really big. Well, with so Chelsea, We'll
0: have to see. It, it's, it's a body that I think Chelsea need, though, in that in that midfield. Oh, mate, it is.
2: You know. And it's a ridiculous signing, isn't it? Like yeah. for adding some depth and you signed Saul. A, I mean, <laughs> he's a
1: fantastic player. He's, I think there's there's a distinction to be made with, with Atletico players and Simeone coach players to go on a little tangent for a sec. It's like, I think a lot of players are brought up several levels by Simeone. They are inflated by him and they play mm. above themselves. Saul is the one example I can think of where a player Excluding the sort of creators like Jair Felix, but a kind of workman-like player that actually I think plays beneath himself because of Simeone. I swear he could be so Ooh. much more. I really do. He's so talented. And a, a midfielder of Saul
0: and Kante is like fielding four midfielders in two. And well, it's... we're about to find out if you're right or wrong because he's he's going to play at Chelsea next season. And <laughs> we'll see. We will see if he plays above what he was playing at. Atleti yeah, and we'll see. We'll see if it goes. Um, and with that, we should probably move on to number three.
1: Okay, number three is a deadline day edition. This is what had me screaming in the cafe for everybody to just stop what they were doing because I had a nice top five and then Eduardo Camavinga went to Real Madrid, <laughs> didn't he? Didn't he? he? did. I mean, whoa, 30 to 40 million euros, something like that. You know, Initial fee rising up to bonuses. I think in total, this is going to cost 40 odd. Look, he's still very young. There's still a lot, to, a lot for Camavinga to add to his game, but we've known for two years that this kid is destined to be a star. And Real Madrid have been in this conversation the whole way through. Last two years, we've been expecting it. We've been expecting it. They've been waiting for it, I think. This summer, we saw PSG poke their nose in. We saw United put their beak in as well. But Real Madrid have got the player that I think clearly two years ago, Zinedine Zidane identified as someone that he saw as a a long-term buy for Real Madrid and and someone that perhaps uh, maybe he can... Long term, replace Casemiro, but short term, at least, just freshen up an aging core and add add some mobility to it. You know, between he and Valverde, now Real Madrid are on the on the verge of a a basically a new generation of midfielders. If they need to switch to it, and Camavinga is someone that a lot of people think should be a holding midfielder, I think he could do it. I also think that'd be a bit of a waste. I see him as more of a voracious, ball winning sort of explosive player that can get across the pitch, cover the ground and uh, make an impact in every single corner, across every blade of grass in the same way that you unleash Kante. You don't restrict him. You let him go. And Camavinga has that mobility, that tenacity, but he's got a wonderful passing range as well. I think he will end up being a complete midfielder. And look, um, this, 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 this is high praise for a player who was still a teenager. And this is why Real Madrid have spent the money on him to sign him. Uh, Easy deal for him for them to complete, I guess, because he's got one year left and he's been left out of the Ren team now for a little while. I think they've known this is going to happen, but well done, Real Madrid, striking and picking up a player that for the next ten years will probably be brilliant for them.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing, isn't it? And and look, I tweeted at the time, but it it sets up something which I'm really excited about, which is this potential future El Clasico midfield matchup of Pedri and Frankie de Jong against Freddy Valverde. And Eduardo Camavinga—that is the stuff that dreams are made of. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to watch that in full flow in three years' time. It's going to be incredible.
1: Yeah, absolutely awesome. I actually, was sent, sent a little video the other day. You know, remember last summer I did some work with uh, the. United Nations uh, refugee outfit. Mm. And uh, they sent me a little video. They've put together something for Kamavinga, who was born into an Angolan refugee camp. And oh. so he, along with the likes of someone like Alfonso Davies, have had the most remarkable story to where they are right now. And for them to come from those beginnings and blossom into the kind of either elite or to be elite level footballers is absolutely amazing. So Kamavinga yeah. is an easy one to root for as well.
2: Yeah, and I wish like we thought more about the stories of like of that when we see players and we're just so quick to judge them and like criticize them or praise them in the split second decisions that they're making and stuff but you're right like all these people have got these backstories which we know such a small a- amount about um and what he must have been through in his life like you say from the bits i've read like it's more than we'll go through in our entire lives and he's like 18 and now he's playing for arguably the biggest club in the world at that age. Yeah, it's, it's mental, isn't it?
0: It's good. and he's going to smash it as well. He's
2: going to smash yeah. it. Yeah, get behind Pete, him, everyone. Absolutely,
0: absolutely going to smash it. I like this a lot. He registered um, for
2: just, Castilla, didn't he? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah he well, did. Yeah. I mean,
2: I think I, they, I read a tweet that said they they did it because they were hoping for a miracle on Mbappe, so they didn't want to close up their last <laughs> spot in the in the main squad just in case Mbappe <laughs> could join last minute. <laughs>
1: Just briefly as well on this, from we've talked about this transfer from Real Madrid's perspective, but for Camavinga as well, who's now like on the fringes of the French national team, but he's not obviously not in the squad. He didn't make the Euro squad and he's he's been called up a little bit here and there, but he's not fully in Deschamps' thoughts, which is quite a difficult place to be in. Going to Real Madrid and, and playing alongside some of these players and playing alongside Benzema for a start will be really helpful, but elevating his status at club level could really help him in these stakes. And I do have a little theory that Kamavinga is exactly the player Deschamps wants and needs. In replacing Blaise Matuidi from the 2018 World Cup setup, he's tried to do it with Toliso. He's tried to do it with Rabio. It hasn't really been a natural fit. But Kamavinga, I think, can play that role and balance that midfield out really nicely. So if anyone should be jumping for joy at this one, it should be the French national team manager, because this just gives him a golden ticket here to see if this is going to work.
0: Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's just been allowed to. He's allowed to watch him now and be like, okay, cool. We're all sorted. Everything's yeah. sweet. We're uh, we're just going to be that player. Yep. Like, look, it's just it's such a great pickup. It's not only one for the future. It's one for now. He's someone who's going to move into this midfield rotation. It also means that he has a little bit of time to settle in. Right, he's not going to be thrust into the deep end. And I think something that maybe we haven't talked about quite as much so far is the price tag on this is really reasonable. Yeah, it's not. That now much, it? I know that that's why I know that Ren won't be pleased about that, and that's a little bit harsh on on a side who will have wanted to if they're going to have to flip their best players, they'll be want to getting the value for them that they think is 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 good. And and you do feel a little bit for them. There's also this element that if you come in with a massive price tag as an 18 year old, the pressure increases hugely. You come in with a 30 million odd price tag, you don't. You know and and I think that given with all of that in mind, it's just a nice thing to to be able to look at and go right. You have the time and space to develop into into what you need to be um without having that huge huge pressure on your shoulders to fulfill your well what you've what you've been paid for. Destiny is the word you're looking for <laughs> well, I think he'll fulfill his destiny either way, um but this is more kind of will he be able to. Well, we'll be able to fulfill his potential um, it, it, without necessarily worrying about having a hundred, you know, six figures on his, on his head. And no one no one really needs that at this point. So, yeah, I like this as well.
1: Cool. Right. On to number two. This is probably the most unfair transfer of the window, in my opinion. I don't know how they keep doing this. Marcel Savitzer for like 16 million euros yeah. to buy Munich. Hmm. Ugh. How do they do it? I mean, Savitzer is such a good player he's so good he's smack bang in the middle of his prime he can play pretty much every midfield role under the sun he can provide the difference he can score great goals he can provide great assists he's been brought up through the the, the Red Bull system learning to press and to and to counter press like he's a complete midfield player and to have a player like this you're lucky you're lucky to have one and by no just picked him up for 16 million euros I just don't get it it, it, man I know he had a business deal I understand that and I know that the deal is you know you go to Leipzig and then you do your time and you move on and stuff but this is just like
0: man when Mourinho
1: was at
2: Tottenham they were really looking at him this was like probably February March time and they were looking at a 30 million pound deal for this summer what what (laughs) what happened like one why didn't they still sign him after Mourinho left and two, how's it gone from 30 million pounds to 16 million euros, which is. 12 million coins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's just it's remarkable. remarkable. <laughs> it, look, it, it's a kind of like. It's a, so a, a, good. I've seen some tweets about this, right? And seen some people being like, Bayern have now signed from the team who came second, their manager, star centre-back and captain in one window. It's yeah. not fair. Um, but, I mean, what can you do? Sabitzer uh, was running his contract down. Like, Bayern wanted him. He clearly wanted to go to Bayern. He's 27 years old. He's still got a long time left at the top level. I think this could be one of the, like the best best moves of the summer i think you're absolutely right sam it's it's right up there right up there with tammy for me um in terms (laughs) of just how good this is i think this is two i think this is my two i think you're you're absolutely spot on with with that way you have this in your list um and it's just that sabas is so good and it's one of those strange ones where i think people maybe miss him out sometimes because he plays for a slightly more unfashionable nation Leipzig are a side who, while people respect, don't necessarily watch a lot of and, until they're in the latter stages of the Champions League. And Sabitzer might have just been forgotten about a wee bit. And, and you sometimes just have, have those players. The good news from Leipzig's perspective is they just have Sabersen to basically slot into that role, right? And And, and that's what, Still, hope will happen here that Somerset will basically take on Sabitz's mantle as that kind of versatile midfield playmaker creator. Um, and, and, and he started really well. Um, so, so there's that to consider. But on the whole, Leipzig will be absolutely spitting about this, they will be fuming because they it feels so low for a player of his quality and caliber.
1: Yeah, this is just part of the dance, isn't it? I mean, what have, what have Leipzig gone and done? They've gone and signed Elijah Mariba. Uh, you know, for f- fifteen million, you know, rising to sort of twenty odd. Uh, You know, as 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 one as one player walks out the exit door, a, a much younger version of that player then sort of walks in the entrance door. This is they're in the middle of this a is carousel. the carousel model. Yeah, this is it. And so, I mean, I think the the model is actually to get a bit more for your um, top players than sixteen million euros. So. Uh, Stabitzer has kind of fallen short a little bit there, but this is how it goes. You, you know, you like like with a lot of clubs, but specifically with Leipzig, you cannot get too attached to your players um, unless they're Willy Orban, and then he will just stay around forever.
0: They won't be dancing in the streets of Red Bull tonight. I'll to, tell you that for free. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think we should probably go to number one. All
1: right, number one, number one. I uh, gave it a lot of consideration here. There are lots of good deals I've already presented for, and I've got some more for you after this. But I could not get away from the idea that the best transfer made this summer was Manchester United's purchase of Raphael Varane for reportedly 34 million pounds rising to maybe something like a close to 41. And I had a snoop around on the wages as well to check if I was going to get tripped up there. I think he might be on roughly 200 grand a week. And this just isn't, these are just not offensive numbers. These are, these are downright okay numbers and He is one of the best. They have bought one of the best defenders, centre-backs in the game for an entirely reasonable price and put him on an entirely reasonable wage. The fantastic debut performance against Wolves probably alerted the last few people that were blind to just how good he is. I'm looking at you, National Radio Station. And now I think there can be no doubt. Like, yes, he's got four Champions League medals to his name. He's played a decade at Real Madrid and won everything there is to win. He's got the right mentality. He's got the ability. Manchester United are really lucky to have had Varane fall into their laps this summer. Again, another example of a player entering that last year of his deal, so the price can be a bit cheaper, the player may be attainable where otherwise they weren't. But yeah, United, I mean, they've just they've they've picked up one of the best in the position of clear need. And it just didn't cost them that much to do so. I just I can still barely believe this has happened. Maybe because it took them six weeks to announce him. I didn't believe it was real. But I, I still can't really believe that Raphael Varane is, is a Man United player. I mean, Well, mate, you did some unbelievable
2: it. analysis on, on him the other day. Like, for anyone who hasn't seen it, on our Patreon, oh. Sam's got so excited about this that he's written an article <laughs> that he didn't have to do and didn't even tell us he was doing. He, he's, he's analysed Varane's debut. Uh, um, yeah. And it was good, mate. I enjoyed it. It was because uh, I, you know, I had a bit of a crazy weekend and, and then he saw bits of load of matches. And so I didn't even see that full match. Um And it was interesting the way that you talked about the way he's reading of the game and the the type of defender that he is and stuff like that. Um, Do come and have a look at our Patreon if you get the chance to even just to read that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like the other thing of it is, isn't it? It's it's when people talk about Ronaldo and is he past it and all the all that kind of stuff, and you think, well, they've just what have United been missing? And it's that winning mentality and that ability to get over the line, whether it's Premier League or in Europe. And they've signed a defender and a striker who have, like, how many between them? How many Champions League between them? Like nine? Nine. 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 <laughs> they, between, they won the Champions League nine times. Um, to be fair, yeah. eight
0: of them were together. Together, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So it's only two. So, like, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that should help. That should help Man United go to that next level. Um, and if it doesn't, then they've given it a good crack and they certainly won't be any worse.
0: <laughs> no I, I think that's they are definitely going to be getting worse. No I, it's a it's a brilliant transfer. I I do agree Sam. Um I I, I still wouldn't have had it in my five. Um, you wouldn't I wouldn't have had Come this in my on. five. on.
2: No. You say some stuff. You're like Adrian Durham you are.
0: <laughs> no no I'm not.
2: I like
0: I like Varane. I wouldn't have had this in my five. I think the money I think it's about right. I think they paid about the right amount for him. I think he's about the right amount of wages. I just think it's just all quite like yes they've got it they're pretty right but like it's not like a sabbath so we were like how have they got him for that kind of money it seems about you know what what i have him at worth at this point it's, it's not like best the best
2: value transfers it's the best transfers it's all, it all comes to the whole package
0: but that's part yeah. of it isn't it it's, it's like part it's some of, it, of it's these not ones all of it.
2: it's not, not all, all of, of it, it though is it it's Varane, and he's joined man united like
0: yeah and they still don't have the six they need to, oh, <laughs> to out. This is, is nothing it. Like, to do with Raphael Varane. nothing to do with this they needed a six before they needed a centre-back and they've not addressed their problem position. This is um, nothing to do with Rafael Varane. This is not his fault. Nothing home.
2: to do that. He couldn't yeah. say to them, you don't need me, go sign a number six. <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't he could good have have said, have I'm only coming if you sign a number six to protect me a little bit. <laughs> Thanks yeah. very much. He doesn't need a number six. He does that job himself After the time. Well, called, he's
1: going to uh, have
0: Lindelof playing in that slot at this rate. So, so <laughs> <we go. laughs>
2: Right.
1: Well that's that's the five boys, and let me just throw out some honourable mentions to, to ones that I thought at one stage while compiling this list would definitely, definitely, definitely be in the list and somehow they just got squeezed out. I mean, this is these are the stakes. Uh Valentina Livramento to Southampton for five million
0: is brilliant pickup. Uh, ridiculous there is a... value there you are yeah, there's one yeah. ridiculous value in the right spot ridiculous that is an value. unbelievable pickup he, <laughs> he does he
1: does have a buyback clause which they could activate at some point which puts a little bit of a ceiling over it but it's a pretty high buyback clause, so there's nothing to really be too downcast about that. And he's he's a great signing. Mariba to Leipzig is very intriguing, but I wasn't willing to stake my reputation on it. Ten coat miners joined Atalanta. Don't know if you guys saw that, Jack. He joined him. He
0: joined in May, mate. I'm not sure we're on about.
1: <laughs> he joined. Uh, he joined Atalanta, and I really, really like that signing. I think he's going to rip Italy apart. I've um, got a lot of love for Mike Magnon as well, uh, signing for AC Milan, 15 million euros, including bonuses. Very, very good goalkeeper. Tough spot to lose Donnarumma on a free, but I think they've done okay out of that. And I really like the Conrad de la Fuente deal to Marseille as well. I've been mean, a couple of deals here coming out of Barcelona where teams are taking advantage of that uh, fragile economic situation. Conrad for 3 million euros is a steal. What kept him out of the list ultimately was I don't think his ceiling is quite high enough to really justify him being rubbing elbows with with, with Tammy and DePaul and Sabitzer, Varane and Camavinga, but some really, really good uh, signings there as well. Um, I
0: would like to throw a couple into this list. Go for Um, it. PSG have spent 110 million euros at, at FAIR, which is a lot. But they've also bought potentially the best attacking fullback combination in, in the world, in Agra okay. and, and Nuno Mench. Um and, and I would suggest that both of them could possibly be in this list. Um, now, 70 million is a lot, but it is probably FAIR. I'd say, for for what Hakimi is and what he brings to the table. And the facts are, we spent a long time discussing about the fact that Poch needs attacking fullbacks that he is comfortable with. Now they've got them. Oh, they've now got they've them. got them. And maybe there's an argument to suggest that those two are the two most important signings that PSG will have made this summer. Um, and, and I think that's probably not too far off the truth. Um, I'd also like to throw in here... Olivier Giroud signing for Milan for 1 million euros because <laughs> that is the single most unbelievable piece of business I think I've ever seen. Like, I don't know if you've watched too much of the opening games with Milan, but Giroud has been magnificent. And I think that he has, still has so much to offer. I mean, I know that the strike partnership of him and Zlatan is now approximately 189 years old, but... <laughs> Just between them, I think one Giroud is is almost the opposite of Zatan, isn't he? Because he's quite like down to earth, he just sort of chills out. He's like, I'm not trying to make it all about me all the time. And perhaps, as a foil to Zlatan, that's exactly what you need. You know, someone who's going to come in and just be like, cool, I'm just going to just do things quietly and go about them really, really well and just be incredibly handsome. And then we can all just <laughs> worry about the rest of it later. Um, but yeah, I think Giroud to Milan could well be one of the biz- bits of business of the whole summer. Um, and finally, uh, Emi Buendia to Aston Villa. £33 million seems like a really, really sensible fee. Um, I think Villa can either turn him into one of the best players in the Premier League or flip him for a serious profit in two to three years' time. Just seeing him get his first call-up for the Argentina national team. I think he's got an absolute superstar in their hands there, Villa, one of the most creative players I've ever watched in the flesh. An absolutely unbelievable vision, unbelievable ability to you know to just pick the right pass, to, to find gaps where no one else can find them. And I think Buendia is going to absolutely shine this season so yeah I'd have I'd have that one maybe in there as well
1: Fair play. all good shouts
0: Dean you got any more for the list
2: nope
0: <laughs> 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 why are you so miserable <laughs> thank you Sam they are good shouts I thought um, but there we have it there is your five um, and some alternative options who all probably just about deserved to be discussed after a break we're going to be back to do a melon of the week and the gibberish rankings don't go anywhere Welcome back to Rags FC, where it is time for my favourite part of the week. Dean Jones, the floor is yours. It's time for
2: Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is VRL goalkeeper Geronimo Rulli. Whee. Whee. fair enough. Well, well to be honest, I, I didn't know how to give it to him or the the defender, but let's just talk this through a little bit, shall we? Um well, Atletico Madrid have got out of jail here. They're still un, unbeaten um in La Liga this season. It's only because of this Melanish behaviour. Um Atleti two one down, deep into injury time. Um no, doesn't don't really look like they're gonna get the goal they're looking for. And then I guess Simeone. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't look
0: at all like they're, they're, There's no real attacking intent. It's no. the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. They were just like, oh, guess we've lost this one then.
2: But it is a Simeone team, so you're always wondering. <laughs> and then here it comes, um, just a hopeful pump down the middle. <laughs> and um, yeah, Isa Mandy, the d- the defender, like nods it, like cushions a header back towards where I guess he presumes his goalkeeper is standing in the middle of his goal, as you'd expect. But what? the goalkeeper Girono Rulli has actually done is he's been watching the direction of the ball and seemingly paid no attention to the fact that there is a centre-back standing there who's about the height of the ball and just carries on like he's going to catch this and so he's completely out of position and the defender knocks it back to his goal and Rudy's just basically just laying on the floor (laughs) completely out (laughs) of his goal, just watching it dribble into his net. And at least four VRL players out on the pitch just collapse to the ground, like literally face plant. They just cannot believe it's like, what is it, the 96th minute or something? It's the last Um, minute of injury time. And it's in, an Atleti have nicked a draw. Literally nicked a draw. They're going mental. Um, it's two-two, and the only thing I, I kept envisioning, envisioned like the ball as a melon. So a melon's pumped forward, <laughs> and he just heads a melon past him because that's what it
0: felt like. It's, it, it's it's genuinely almost heartbreaking to see all the people hit the deck, isn't it? Like yeah. I like we we're here, we we're about to beat the champions. League. It would be our first win of the season. And they're like, what have you done? What have you done there? And also like the comedy value of him trying to get back across to it and like diving once and then almost like diving again, like when he's already yeah. on the floor, like he makes a second ground for it. he's absolutely nowhere near it. And you're all like, oh God, God. Yeah. It's, Anyone it's, that it's hasn't seen it.
2: this, get it on your phone right now.
0: Uh, you yeah. are right although there was a second contender this week which is one of the best own goals I've ever seen um, from Augsburg's left back Iago it's in the first two minutes of their game against Leverkusen the ball runs across and he genuinely dinks his own keeper like, <laughs> yeah, so. it, it, it is, it's one of the most like it's such a nice finish if he put that at the <laughs> other end everyone would be going mad for it he like comes across it, and it just loops up into the air keepers going Like reaching up, oh God, nowhere near it. And it's so early on. And then Augsburg scored a second own goal about 10 minutes later. They were 2-0 down to two own goals. And as Derek Ray said on the commentary, our friend Derek Ray, um, he said it's the fastest two own goals from two single scorers in Bundesliga history. So, So there you have it. There you go, and yeah, the second one
1: was was uh, was scored by the man that Derek Ray told us was his favorite player's name to pronounce in the Bundesliga. Um, Niederlechner, is a Florian Niederlechner? Unbelievable <laughs> German name. Well, it's probably not even German, It's from <laughs> Austria. Yeah,
0: I think I think Rui is probably the correct decision.
1: That name, was a mad game as can. well. What a perfect ending to that game because Villarreal, I think took the lead for like a ridiculous, ridiculous strike from Trigueros. And they'd been like under the pump the entire time. They were getting battered. Ventured up the pitch one time and scored the most wonderful goal ever. Athletic get back into it fine. And then a a total mix-up between the Atletico centre-halves results in the second goal allows Villarreal to steam through. And Dan Juma. Dan Juma scores against against Oblak. It was awesome. And yeah, yeah, the fact that it ended in the way it did was kind of fitting because uh, frankly, no one deserved
0: to win that game. Yeah, no, that is, that is a fair point. <laughs> it's the gibberish alarm.
2: Ouch, that hurt my ears. Jeez, that alarm's getting really longer
1: hurt. and longer. Yeah, that really hurt. Longer and longer and longer. Well, this week, there wasn't any one specific kind of theme that I could produce into a ranking this time around. It just It just so happened to be that quite a lot of different weird things felt like they were happening to me. So... I Decided to make that the theme, and I can present the three most ridiculous things that have happened in my life over the past seven days. And this is a very repeatable franchise because I live a ridiculous life. Um, and number three is a story of my deeply shameful visit to a local cafe last week. Um, I've been to the chiropractor to get my neck sorted out. It's been a bit funny over the last couple of weeks. I was out by 12 o'clock. I thought, I'm going to go to the cafe, I'm going to go and buy a sandwich. And I'd walked past one on the way that smelled amazing. So I walked in. Said hello. Got a very very frosty reception from an East London elderly woman, um, Dean. For reference, it was, uh, it was a bit like that old lady that works in the West Ham cafe the, 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 the very shrill one that's very scary uh um, oh, you know uh, you, mean. you know you know the vibe and i walk I in say know, hello yeah. i get almost nothing back so i have a look at the menu and you guys have stood with me while i've ordered the sandwich what do i do when i when i read a menu i just i dismiss yeah. all of it i dismiss all of it and ask for a custom sandwich which she was uh-huh. absolutely not happy with whatsoever anyway i very politely requested the chicken bacon and rocket sandwich Would do have rocket okay can i have spinach instead we don't have spinach Okay, just the chicken and bacon then. Okay, fine. And some mayo? Okay, no problem. She potters off for a couple of minutes, goes and makes a coffee or something, comes back comes back and asks me, Do you, would you like the bacon hot or cold? I'll be honest, I wasn't actually ready for any follow-up questions on this. So I wasn't really ready with my answer. And I just, out of instinct, just said, hot. She walks over, picks two rashes of bacon out, puts it in the microwave for 20 seconds, picks it out, and puts it in a bread roll and then walks over with it in her hand and goes, chicken, hot or cold? And I thought, well, I can't have cold chicken on that, can I? So it's going to have to be hot chicken, which I didn't want either. And she walks over to a sort of like warm oven plate thing um, and picks out three breaded chicken goujons and puts them on top of these two microwaved pieces of bacon. And then walks back over and said, did you say you want mayo? And I was looking at the sandwich and I went, I don't want mayo anymore. And she went, what do you want then? Ketchup? And I was like, sure, whatever. I just panicked and said it. She put it all over the sandwich. I looked at the sandwich. She looked at the sandwich. We both grimaced. She wrapped it up. She handed it to me. I paid £4.50 for it. Walked outside and put it straight in the bin.
2: Right. I'm glad because I literally felt sick as you were describing that. I've <laughs> That was horrendous. I could...
0: I'm a... I'm a Goujons in sandwiches all the time. They're quite nice. It's not it... that, is it? It's, it's... not it's really
1: not It was the... the combo, man. I wanted, I wanted. Chicken, bacon, mayo, and rocket. I wanted like basically that sandwich from Pret. And I <laughs> what I got was ridiculous. And I just couldn't bring myself to even unwrap it. I walked to a bin 15 meters away and put it in the bin. And then I had to go and buy myself lunch again because I was still hungry. I hadn't eaten. So I had wow. to have I had to buy a second lunch.
0: I can't anyway, that wait was, to see what's on top of this. Uh, that was
1: just number three. I mean, number two, actually, is a is a is a much shorter story. It's the experience I've had listening to Kanye West's new album, Donda, has been very interesting. I mean There's probably three or four good songs on this album. It's not his best. Three or four is probably usually a decent hit rate, except for the fact that this has 27 (laughs) songs on it. It's an hour and 48 minutes of music, and it is some of the most confused and garbled stuff I think I've ever heard him produce. It's like halfway between late registration and the thing that he produced about Jesus two years ago. Oh, and yeah, this okay, man, Jesus
0: is King. Yeah. This
1: man has got us in a vice. Everybody is stopping what they're doing and waiting and listening to what he's produced. And I, I don't think I can give a particularly positive report on Kanye's new work. I'd say it's extremely peculiar at best. But Christ
0: has he got us in a grip? We do everything for him, don't we? No other artist,
1: No other artists. I tell you what. Like I this. haven't listened
0: to. I haven't listened to it because I was, you know, this weekend's been a, a relatively heavy one for me, and I actually haven't really ventured back into listening to anything, frankly, since uh, since mm. I left since I left Field Day Festival on Sunday night. Um, but I, I am excited to listen to it. I was going to write a, a torcida. Bit for it In our, in our Patreon newsletter, uh, one of our music reviews. But if it's an hour 40, I might have to give that a whirl. I might have to give that a miss. I might have to just stick it in for next week. Maisie yeah. Peters has been bumped up the order. Nice. So um, nice, that's good. Yeah. We'll, uh, anyway, we'll go for a little bit of twee pop instead. Very peculiar. But in keeping with my strange
1: week, what a strange experience it is listening to that. Even the first track alone is just bizarre. Anyway, on to number one. And it's on Saturday. I went to a Christmas party. Uh, what? <laughs> Now the clever ones among you and Dean will have immediately identified an issue here. Saturday was in August. And Christmas, I think quite famously, is in December. It's not in, it's
0: not in August, anyway. Yeah, I
1: believe it's on the 25th, every uh, every year. It's always the same. Um, but on Saturday, my friends and I had a Christmas party. It's it's a group of friends that used uh, go to the gym with and we used to have, or usually have, a big Christmas night out in the week leading up to Christmas Day, usually in December, but we couldn't do it in 2020, could we? Because Boris cancelled Christmas. Or more accurately, coronavirus restrictions meant that that wasn't really possible and would have been irresponsible to do so anyway. So that wrecked the plan. Most people cancelled that party. We postponed it. We simply delayed the Christmas party and we finally found a free slot to do it. August 2021, uh, baby,
0: well, bank holiday great. weekend in August, famously sunny, uh, famously <laughs> where a carnival usually is held. In it wasn't London. that wasn't that sunny though, was it this weekend? Sunday was quite nice. Saturday was, was a little bit a little bit dry. It yeah. was probably
1: a little bit cloudy, but it was warm enough to be outside in shorts and t-shirts, which is not a particularly familiar sensation for Christmas, is it? I mean, sure, but it was great. I wore a Santa hat. Uh, wore reindeer spoof glasses. There were some Christmas jumpers at play. We listened to Christmas music on the speaker in the garden. The neighbours would have been so confused. And we had a barbecue for Christmas dinner. So did you do turkey call- on the barbecue? No, mate. That's our YouTube Christmas special for Ranks. Um, <laughs> okay, looking yeah. forward to it. <laughs> yeah, can't wait for that one. No, this let's call this an Australian Christmas because I imagine this is what they do, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I assume they do. Um, They have shrimps on the barbie in Australia on Christmas Day on the beach. I know. It wasn't
1: quite that level, but we did have a hot tub uh, and we did have a barbecue.
0: There weren't any shrimp, but two out of three. Two and three ain't bad. It ain't bad at all. Um, all. In the words of meat, in the words of meatloaf. (laughs) Um, And and on that bombshell and on your strange week, I think it's probably time to call this podcast a day. Um, The transfer window has been as mad as any I can remember. Um, And we are. Well, we are, in some ways, I imagine, relatively glad that it's over. Next week, um, we're excited. We're going to be doing a new show that we hope will become a staple. It's called Five by Five. And in so, we are going to be picking, after a month, and uh, about, you know, we've just got to an international break. We've seen the first well, we've seen the first kind of elements of how this season is going to play out. We've seen the transfers finalised by deadline day. And we're going to be picking our top five in each of Europe's top five leagues um, in a positional sense. So that's going to be exciting. And I'm excited to get going with it. But uh, until then, uh, all there's left for me to do is say thank you very much, Sam Tai. Cheers, buddy. Thank you very much, Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Dean, you need a rest, mate, uh, after the transfer window you've had uh, and after this last deadline day. it's uh, It's been a wild one for you. So you've I feel like you've earned your key. Oh, cheers. I won't do the next
2: you. week's. I won't do next week's pod. That's very kind of you. Thank oh, you. I don't know. No, I'll give you a rest until
0: next Wednesday. Oh, right. A whole week. Okay. There you go. The gift of the gap. Can
2: you tell my wife and kids that so that they don't bother me either? <laughs> Unfortunately,
0: that's, that's out of my remit. I'm going to have to leave that one to you. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Rags FC. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and enjoyed Deadline Day. It's been, well, an interesting one, to say the least. We'll see you next week, gang. Take it easy. Peace.